I'm Rosemol and I have two uh, very interesting guests here in the studio. We're going to talk to Ibo and Noma. That's how you say it. Tell me the name, the way you pronounce it, Noma, your real name. Okay, I'm going to pronounce it and I'll let you try and pronounce it. <laughs> okay, it is pronounced as Noma Klabiso. Will you try that? <laughs> Noma Klabiso. Perfect. It's not too bad, not too bad. You, you, you've got it right. From South Africa, obviously. And we are going to talk also to Ibo, who's got a very, very interesting story of uh, how we traveled from Senegal all the way to Spain uh, in a boat. So, Noma, how long have you been in Ireland now? Uh, this is my seventh year. Mm-hmm. And you are from South Africa? I'm from South Africa, right. That's mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. yeah. This is your seventh year in Ireland. Okay. Yeah. And you ended. You, you started off in direct provision yourself, didn't you? Uh, I'm afraid so, yeah. I started yeah. In, in direct provision myself and uh, it, it was a horrific experience. Yeah. So... Yeah. But that's a closed chapter now. Yeah, we don't want to talk yeah, too much about that. I, I don't really want to talk about... I do talk about direct provision and my experiences in the, in the uh, direct provision centres because um, I feel that being a South African and um, having grown up under the apartheid system, having watched my parents being oppressed by the white regime and coming to Europe and still seeing that it's still happening in okay. the 21st century... That, that is where I'm coming from. So I'm, yeah. I'm kind of vocal about it. And the social injustice that is being imposed on pe- on migrants in Europe yeah. is just terrible. Shocking, really. It, it is. It, it is. It's dehumanizing. Yeah. How long have you been there in in direct provision? If I may ask you for you. I I was there for three and a half years, okay. and I kind of feel that I got off lightly, mm-hmm. uh, rather than other people. You know. People have spent longer than that. Yes, I've met people who've been there more than ten years. And it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a very tough, tough time for you. And then you were given your papers. I was given yeah. leave to remain in the country, um, which was quite acceptable. But the damage that the the direct provision system caused in my life is irreversible. Yeah. You're still suffering with it now? You're still having problems with it? I'm sure you do. I'm coming to terms to to put it at rest. But um, I just can't get back the time that I've lost. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And did you get any help when you came out of there? That's one of the issues with, with the system here. It is so wrong that when you exit, there's no stretcher that you... There's no exit strategy that kind of directs you, you know, that to that transformation. That now that you've been institutionalized for so long, and all of a sudden overnight you are expected to kind of integrate into the society without any help. Yeah. So you had no help whatsoever. Uh, Absolutely not. We spoke about that last week with uh, Loki Kambule as well, and uh, and uh, Christian, who is still staying in direct provision there. And and that seems to be a big, big problem, isn't it? That there's no help. People are just left to their own yeah, You're just left to, to, to get on with life as, as if, you know, as yeah. if things, thing is un, it's just a normal thing. But it, it's actually not because you've lost so much skills and your, your social skills are gone for starters. Even simple things that you overlook yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 
things like cooking, cooking a meal, probably even the smaller things. Speaking about that, mm. I'm actually starting my cookery lessons very soon because oh. that's one of the skills <laughs> that I lost. Yeah. So that's so what it does to people. You have to learn it again. I have to relearn it again, and this is one of the things that I I enjoy doing. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and is it also things like um, yeah, getting up, going out, meeting people, or doing things that you have to do every day without having the time set for you, like like they were in, in in the institutions? You know, you have these preset times for breakfast, preset times for lunch, and now you have to do it all yourself. Is that is that an, an issue? Oh, of course. I mean, you you cannot take somebody's uh, liberation and and expect them for a number of years and expect them when you give them back that they're just gonna get back to normal to normal life it doesn't happen that way it's a process yeah you go through a process that you have to kind of learn okay how do i deal with my financial issues how do i deal with my social life yeah you know yeah so those are the two main issues that you have to deal with And how have you been able to overcome, or how are you overcoming the worst of, of that now, to get settled back into everyday life? Uh, well, for starters, I, I must say that I was quite lucky. I was fortunate that I got off like three, three and a half years, yeah. um, whereas other people still, the people that I found, they are still in, in the system. Mm. And I was also fortunate that I had good friends around me are surrounded by very good friends and during the time that I was in the uh, in the DP system I made an effort to do a few courses you know um, around, around coke so that that was then I, I made a, a few good friends okay. and it was those friends who helped me you know sort of try to get in, into normality so But it's that that is a good thing in a sense that at least you had people around you who could help you because I can imagine there are people who come out of there and who have nobody really that they uh, apart from the people that they've got to know in direct provision um, they must feel so lost. Of course, of course, you would feel lost yourself. You are in a foreign country and all of a sudden you are expected to. You're thrown in, in jail because that's what it is. It is prison. You're just thrown in, in prison for a number of years. And one day they decide that, okay, we'll let you go. And wh where do you start? Yeah. You, yeah. you have to relearn. Every, you have to learn everything about the country yeah. first, you know? Exactly. And you have to make friends. For starters, where do you begin making friends? Yeah. You have a little boy here in the in the studio with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's behaving. <laughs> he's behaving. He's being really good. He's listening to you, actually. Uh, um, yeah. And uh, how how old is your son? He's four. He's four. And uh, how are you coping as a single mother? Is that does that bring extra difficulties for you? You think? Or? Um, it, it does bring a lot of challenges uh, as well. It's another issue that has to be addressed by by politicians, by whoever, mm. and uh, people like myself need to be kind of vocal about these issues that, you know, migrant, migrant women kind of facing a lot of challenges when it comes to parenting in, in Ireland uh, in terms of childcare and, you know, you have no support. You have no family here, so basically you're on your own. You have no extra support. You know, when you, were, when you had your own kids, you probably... Were, 
have your parents and your family, extra uh, family members who are help, being, being able to help there and there. But when you're on your own, you just have to do it on your own. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is a huge issue, uh, Ross. I'll tell you this now because um, I'm, I'm currently a, a social work student at, at the moment. And this is one of the issues that I, I talk about in, in the course, that migrant women are finding it very uh, hard to do their parenting roles. And yet the, the state expects us to carry on as normal Mm-hmm. And uh, within the social work uh, context, there is a uh, challenge of having migrant children being taken into the care of the state, yeah. which is a, another concern when it comes to migrant children and their families. And the reason for that is because of the issues that I've just mentioned earlier on, such as have not having you know, social support. Yeah, and there is an extraordinarily high number of migrant children, isn't there, that are being taken into social care, um, unfortunately. Yes, and an Afro-Irish child in Ireland is 20 times more likely to end up in the care of the state. That's a true reality now. They speak about it all the time in my course, and, um, and people like myself have to kind of uh, say talk about our experiences as migrant women, that these are the issues that we are facing. And the law is unfortunately not on our side. No, no. And uh, you're doing so, you're studying social work now. Is that, do you have as an intention to work with migrant women afterwards? Would that be something you'd like to do? Absolutely. I was driven into social work by, when I was in the DP, I I saw the need of um, of people like myself who want to to make a, a change and in, in the Irish community, in, in migrants' life, in, within the Irish community, because we are so we, we don't have a voice, basically. Mm. And within the community, do you find it difficult to to find new friends, for example? I mean, you're talking about the friends that you made during the courses, but like just living in Cork, is it is it easy enough for you? Do you? F- do you face a lot of problems as a migrant woman or as an African woman? Well, the only problem that I have right now is finding employment. Okay. That is one of the issues that uh, that is one of the issues that we we sort of have to face as well. That as you are an, an a migrant woman or a migrant person. Whether you're a woman or a man, I live in the city center, and I, I chose to live in the city center because it's convenient for of me. Of course, and yeah. uh, I can't afford as much as I'd love to live in the countryside, but I just can't afford to live there because everything that I do is within, the, yeah. is in the city center. Yeah. The college is in the you know in the city center, and from where I live, it's just a walking distance, and. It's been three years that I've left the the, the Dara provision, but still, I've not even with with that within that three years, I've not not found I've any, not, I've any not found job. any even in, I'm I'm talking I'm not talking about like kind of fancy job, no. just very simple yeah waitressing job or bar being a bar staff or whatever cleaning job for that matter no and why not do you think what do you think is the reason? It's nothing else but discrimination, really. 
it's the melanin in your skin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is discrimination, you know, and people are still, there is a huge number of uh, African population here, but I always ask myself, like, what is it that they're doing, you know, with, with themselves? Yeah. They're just sitting at home, you yeah. know, being on the welfare system because yeah. you, are sub, you are a subject of welfare. Yeah. Hello. Ivo is uh, from Senegal. From Senegal. Mm. And uh, he's made quite a journey to get to Ireland. So we'd like to talk a little bit about that. Ivo, where, where did it start? You, you, you were brought up in Senegal. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm from Senegal and I have been living in Spain nine years. How I, did you get to Spain from Senegal? Tell us that one. Yeah, I get... So I traveled from Senegal to Spain by boat. By boat? Yeah. Wow. And how long did that take you? Uh, one week, six days. Six days, almost one week, yeah, six days. Six days in a boat. Six days. And it's one of those rubber boats that you see on the, on the television. What kind of a boat was it? So it was a boat... Um, you know, in Africa, the Arab boat to go to fish or something like that. So they isn't was not. It wasn't really made big. to cross the. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was not very big, but was. A, and how many people were in there? Uh, Sixty-two people. Sixty-two people. Yeah. Okay, so it was like a fishing boat. Yeah, fishing oh boat. Okay. Yes. And they were mostly men, yeah. Yeah, more yeah, than no children in those days. Okay, and what was the reason, really, for you to to go to Spain? What made you make such a a big risky decision to take a boat? So the reason was just because I lost my father in two thousand and two, and I'm from a big family, and you know I can pick up with my problem, all the problem that we had in the family so it was working but it's it's not sufficient morning to to keep the family to keep the family okay so so you decided to go yeah and find work in europe yeah okay and what happened when you uh, where, where did you arrive in spain first of all in canarias Okay, in the Canarias. Yeah, yeah, in the Canarias. Yeah, where the Europeans go on holiday. You arrived. Was it just on a beach that you arrived? Like, did you just get there and got out of the boat? And No. Um, Actually, we don't arrive in Canarias. So we get without gas. Okay. And something like that. We found a fishing boat, Spanish... Fishing boat. Fishing boat. Yeah. And... They helped us, no? They rescued you, yeah. basically. Okay. And they give food and water 
because we were very bad. My God! So you were floating around, yeah, on the Mediterranean without yeah. petrol in the boats. Yeah, and luckily these people helped you. Yeah, yeah. and they brought you to the Canaries, to the the islands. That no, they, they called the the Coast Guardian. Yeah, yeah. something like oh, okay. that. So yeah, the Coast Guardian, and mm. they came to take our and. Canarias. Okay. From there, your adventure started in Spain. I have to tell people now, uh, Ibu has only just learned to speak English since a few months. He's yeah. doing incredibly well, <laughs> He's isn't he? Well. He's doing incredibly well. So, yeah. But every now and then, I'll have to help a little bit. So you arrived in Spain, uh, in the Canaries, and you stayed there for a very short time, didn't you, first? Yeah, yeah. Mm, 40 days. Yeah. And then you moved on to... To Tarragona. Tarragona. And is yeah. that where you started going to school then as well? Yeah. Yeah. So the the story is that you were actually an illegal immigrant in Spain, yeah. but you managed to go to school. Yeah. To teach yourself. Yeah. To yeah. help yourself. And it's an amazing story, isn't it? And and how did you then manage to get your papers? You were did they give them to you when you did your exams? Was that it? The no, they don't give to me because I I did exams, you know. So when I started to study, you know, I was to do my study and I did secondary school and then I was study like uh, electrician. So yeah. I'm an electrician and after I get practice in a company in Spain. After the practice, so the company gives me the contracts, you know. Okay. So in Spain, when you have three years living in Spain and you get contract, yeah. you can get paper for one year. Okay. So you had your paper then. Yeah. So you were not put into any direct provision kind center or, or anything. You were allowed to go to school and, and, and learn a skill, which is fantastic, really, yeah. which is fantastic. And you learn Spanish. This guy speaks many languages, <laughs> you know, because your native language is Arabic, isn't it? No, my native language is Wolof. 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 Okay. As well okay. as we speak in Senegal. Okay. But you went to school in Senegal in Arabic? Arab, yeah. Okay. And then there's French? Yeah. And Spanish. And you speak Catalan as well? Yeah, I speak Catalan. Okay. Because I was living in, in Catalonia two years, so mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. normal. Yeah. And has it been very difficult? The very first years must have been quite tough for you, you know, to arrive in a country, f try and find work. and so You've been very courageous, really. Amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was, was very difficult, but um, because... I was alone, you know, so yeah. I don't have no family. Uh, I have to find, I have to make, I have to make friends and find work. Yeah. So I had to live for myself. Yeah. So. Pretty amazing. And, and, and you met a beautiful girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a Spanish girl, right? Spanish girl. Yeah. Janire. Janire. Yeah. 
it's a lovely story as well. But then that's for Saint Valentine's next year. We'll tell you the story. Uh, so and and Janira came to Ireland to find work, isn't that right? Yeah. And that's how you ended up here. Yeah, that's why I'm here. She's come here like um, because I was a worker, no, like a welder in in a barn in Spain when she's when she's come here. So she's come here the last summer to so the only reason was to improve her English. Okay. So she's come here for two months and then her boss give her off for work, no, for six months, you know. Yeah. And she's told me to come with her. You arrived in September, didn't you? Yeah. Mm. And did you immediately have the right to work here, or did you have to wait for that? You had to buy some. You had to get some kind of a card. Some. Yeah, I have to. You have to do. I have to change my European card. You know. Okay. And I have to wait for three months and half. So I'm I'm still waiting. So. so you're still waiting for that car. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that car. So that's difficult for you. And what do you do while you're waiting? Now I'm. I used to go class English class. Yeah. Studying English. So that's what. Yeah, well, it's, it's great. You're obviously a very, uh, you know, you have a great mind to go and, and study because that's what you did in Spain, it's what you did here. And I think a lot of migrants don't, don't do that and, and, and maybe sit at home and don't know what to do. So you're actually a shining example of, um, you know, the good way to, to move around and, and, and adapt to the, the place around you. And you're hoping to find work then after that, don't you? Yeah, mm. I hope to find something something what maybe, would you like to do maybe yeah maybe soon yeah and uh, in in electricity you want to be an electrician still or yeah i want to be so i want to work like electrician because this is my skill now mm. but i don't care about job you know okay. I, I can do anything whatever anything yeah yeah i come here because so to the first person is my my girlfriend, you know, and the second is I want to practice my English, so I want I, I love English, you know. Mm-hmm. I think is the good it's good place to yeah. to learn English, yeah. no. And do you get in? Do you get like a lot of Irish people that you're connected to? Do you know a lot of Irish people now that you live here? Is it difficult to make connections? Or yeah, it's difficult. It's not easy to make people, but I don't know why. So in Bandon, I used to go play football, and I met few people. Yeah, mm. yeah. Few, few people, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's by doing things, by getting yeah, involved in activities. Sport, yeah, by yeah. sport, yeah, yeah I, know, I met people. Yeah, yeah. You find that uh, difficult as well, don't you, uh, Norma, to to get to know people? 
Is, is that a difficulty for you? It's mostly finding work that's the biggest difficulty. Uh, well, for me, finding uh, employment is the biggest challenge, but uh, I must say that I do have good friends, and this is, these friends are the, pe are the people that I've met through my, my college. So. Yeah. Again, it's by doing something. It's by doing something that you meet people. Yeah, so you're not gonna meet anybody staying, uh, being at home, yeah. or just getting out, or, or you're not gonna meet anybody in the streets or in the bus, and they want to be friends. Mm. They have got to know you from somewhere, and you have to also make that effort. Yeah, as uh, Ibo is saying, that you met people through sport. Yeah. So. Yeah, because I, I, I sometimes wonder, do people feel sometimes a little bit like n not enough confidence or something to go and do that, to go as, as uh, people who moved into Ireland, especially black people, because they might think, oh, people won't like me or something. I sometimes have that impression when I talk to them that they say, oh, yeah, but they won't want me or... You know, or it's like people who have, for example, I know a guy who um, has a degree in marketing, but he's driving a taxi mm. and he's not making that effort to go and get a job in marketing. What is it? Why is that happening, do you think? Um, I suppose when you've been looking for something to do for so long and you end up just taking whatever that's uh, a that's it, at yeah. your disposal because also time is not on our side yeah. you know if you're not getting anything within your area of choice you just take whatever you that comes to you not yeah. because people are not confident enough to okay to to, to follow their their professions, their line of professions, it's because they're just not given that opportunity and you're not going to sit around and wait for that opportunity to present itself. No. You will do something else. Yeah. So along the line, if it arises, you will take it. Okay. What do you think could be a solution to that? I mean, there must be ways that this can improve because obviously there's some kind of uh, fear within the employers that they don't employ uh, people like you, migrants. Um, what could we do? to make that easier? Um, well, uh, that's quite a hard one, Rose, yeah. because um, the entire Europe, th this is not just um, unique to Ireland. Mm. The law here in, I in Europe is that you, we take care of our own first and others, and then we become the others. Even within the others, there's categories. Mm. That's what that, that's what I was wondering. Should there be a change in the law where you know to encourage maybe people from minorities to be hired, you know, to give some kind of preferential treatment? I don't know. Would that but then help? people have to stand up for themselves. Then yeah. people have to stand up for themselves and say, "Look, we are here, and we're not going anywhere. Yeah. We are here, and you better accept that." I mean. I'm from South Africa, and uh, there are Irish people in South Africa, there are British people there, all sorts of people in South Africa, and they're doing very well. And why is it a problem when I am here, you know? Yeah, exactly. Why is exactly. it a problem when I'm in Europe? Whereas in my country, there's all sorts of Europeans and who are living quite well, more than, than they're living here. Definitely. I was kind of shocked when I came here to see the way white people live compared to where I come from. Really? Yes. Because they're poor, according to you, co compared to the ones in South Africa. Compared to the ones in South Africa, white people in South Africa live very well. They have 
uh, home helps, you know, people who are, who, are, who are working for them in their homes, you know, you know within, yeah. within the family there's always somebody working. I guess they them. never had to buy their um, property, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> you should, it's something you should think about. So. Yeah, I think that might, because if you have to buy your own property, it's a bit more, it's a bit harder, I guess. Um, and Ibu, actually, in Senegal, are there many white people living in Senegal? Yeah, general French people. French people. French people and British people, Portuguese. There are a lot of white people. Yeah, yeah they're doing really well in, exactly. in Senegal. Exactly. Spanish people. There are a lot of Spanish people. Yeah. So it's funny, but when you come here, people look like it's very strange, no, to be here. But in our country, so they are the same, but we have no problem with with the white people in Senegal or Mali. Mm. So before here I have been many countries in, in Africa, no? But I never see problem with the white people not to work there or they find work if do, they want yeah, it. So they find work yeah. and they do what they want to do. But when you came for example in Spain and you have skill and you have a lot of experience in your work and in what do you do, no? But they used to don't contract you just because you come Africa and or you. I think so. Mm -hmm. No, not I think because I see it. So I know a lot of people from Senegal with scaly. So in general, something like that. But if you are, uh, what is what is study you, whatever you study, so. But they never give you the opportunity. Opportunity. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it, it must be hard. I mean, it must be really hard if you're looking for a job like you do for the past three years, and and then I'm always and you know what is actually going on, and 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 it's very difficult to do anything about it, isn't it? It's uh, it's really really tough. And then for you, on top of that, Ibu, what I wanted to touch as well, because um, these days with uh, Mr. Trump in um, America doing what he's doing, uh, you are Muslim, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So um, do you get, do pe people don't know here that you're Muslim, because they think that Muslims walk around in these long robes and uh, yeah, yeah, long Muslim. beards. And <laughs> <laughs> How do you react to all these things about pe people saying, like, uh, there's this, uh, what are they called, Pegida, uh, who tried to get the Muslims out of Ireland, and uh, Trump saying Muslims shouldn't come into the USA, and how, how does that feel to you? What do you think when yeah. you hear that? I think it's sad, you know, it's very sad now. And he, all the problem happening in the world, they, so there are people who think the problem is the most is, is religion, but I think the problem is not about religion. You think it's politics? Yeah, I think it's politics, you know, mm. but... And if, money, I would say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when I hear that, so I... I scared and I feel like um, I don't know does it hurt you for example do you feel hurt when you hear people say that yeah yeah and you also when you hear of course there are things happening a lot around the world now uh, like in France um, how, how does that affect you then do you, does it yeah. make you angry with those people who do that the ISIS people yeah uh, this make me angry because mm. imagine in my life I never Never. So I study in the 
Muslim in a Muslim school. Muslim school. Yeah. But I never see in Islam uh would they say you can kill people because they don't believe what do you live? So yeah. this is not it's this not is, a law in the Quran. It's not a law in, in in the Quran. I mean you see now for both of you now I mean, you see the the way the European Union is tackling the refugee crisis. Does that what does that tell you? Are you upset about that? It is upsetting uh Russ, because this is Europe. And for somebody who is beyond the shores of Europe they would assume that uh, in Europe you are a human right is highly respected and if you see what is going on now with with this migrant uh, crisis i ask myself uh, where are the european directors yeah i guess you were told the story about europe as well especially you as well you came here to make a better life for yourself and then you see all this happening it must be quite shocking so Exactly. For you already, you said people were you were quite shocked at how white people lived here compared to South Africa. That was not you didn't know that, did you? That absolutely no. not. No, I wouldn't have thought that so white people live the way they do here in in Europe. And so, as a human rights issue, I wouldn't have thought that hum, human rights here are so less um, respected. Mm-hmm. And for and you, Ibu, is it a big difference from you know what you thought about Europe, and then when you arrived? Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it was a big difference, you know, when I arrived here. But because when when they saw you, Europe in Africa, so if you saw the movies in all about Europe, is very beautiful. Okay. But when you came here. So the right is very different. It's very different, yeah. It's very different. And what, what has shocked you the most? Like, what, what is the most, you know, thing that you really expected that you didn't see at all? Is it money, poverty, or...? When they talk about human rights. Yeah. And you see what happened with you and with your friend. So you ask yourself, where is the right human? Mm-hmm. what they talk about so yeah. so if you talk about for example in Spain if you arrive in this country you have no person but they never give you, give you work okay. until three years yeah. so what are you going to do these three years yeah. you have no job yeah. you have no no help so you have And do you know, did you know what happens here in Ireland, like that direct provision system where Norma was in? Um, have you heard of that? Did you know that? No, that, I didn't. No. Because some people there have been there for 10 years. Mm. 10 years? years. Mm. Yeah. Just to end, what, what, what is it you would like to achieve now while you're here? Will you stay in Ireland? Or are you thinking of going back to Spain? Or what would you like to do now? I think I'm going to stay here. You are going to stay here? Yeah, yeah. I don't know until you want to stay here. I have a lot of friends and of course my future wife from Spain so your okay, future wife did she hear that do you hear that have you got a ring in your pocket okay that's I hope. <laughs> and you know mama what, what is what are your hopes now for the future here um well the future looks kind of bright 
it doesn't start off quite well, but yeah, um, I'm involved in a lot of activities and I hope to achieve quite a few of them being uh, one of the migrant women who stand up for their rights and representing others. I love to continue.